I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in-person plant stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiberfueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant U, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you, whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing. We're having live music. It's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plant Stock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. Everything in this book, none of it is my opinion. I interviewed 150 of the best Nobel laureate scientists and regenerative doctors, the best in the world, and everything in it is theirs. And everything is documented. And what it basically do is I bring you the best on earth and you know what to do to increase your energy or your strength or your vitality at any age. Or if you're really having a problem, here's how to turn around. And here are some of the tools that help you never get caught up in the problem in the first place with a kind of diagnosis. And then if you end up with cancer, heart disease, or, or Alzheimer's, here are the best tools that are available in the world today. And then we're donating 100% of the profits like I did my last three books. You know, I was fed when I was 11 years old. So I fed 42 million people up until seven years ago. And then I set a goal to feed 100 million people a year, a billion people over 10 years. I partnered with Feeding America and we're seven years into it and we're at 850 million meals. And so this book, All the Profits Feed 20 Million People and then the balance goes to Alzheimer's, cancer and heart disease research. I'm Rip Esselstyn and welcome to the Plant Strong podcast. The mission at Plant Strong is to further the advancement of all things within the plant-based movement. We advocate for the scientifically proven benefits of plant-based living and envision a world that universally understands, promotes, and prescribes plants as a solution to empowering your health, enhancing your performance, restoring the environment, and becoming better guardians to the animals we share this planet with. We welcome you wherever you are on your Plant Strong journey, and I hope that you enjoy the show. Hello, my cruciferous cousins. Rip Esselstyn here, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Plant Strong Podcast. On the homepage of our website at plantstrong.com, it says boldly that our mission is to empower people to take control of their health destiny. Well, every once in a while, we get to land a big, big monster piece of kale on the Plant Strong Podcast. And my guest today... He is big, 
And he's also been encouraging people to take control of their destinies and to become, as he says, the CEO of your own health. I'm talking about Tony Robbins, entrepreneur, best-selling author, philanthropist, and arguably the nation's number one life and business strategist. Over the past four decades, he has empowered more than 50 million people worldwide through his business and personal development coaching programs and events, like Date for Destiny. And I'm sure that many of you have seen on Netflix the documentary, I Am Not Your Guru. I highly recommend it. This week, he launched his new book, and he is on the Plan Strong podcast to talk about it. The book is called Life Force, How New Breakthroughs in Precision Medicine Can Transform the Quality of Your Life and Those You Love. As you're going to hear about today, this book is actually the result of Tony going on his own life-changing health journey, and after being told from different physicians and healthcare providers that he had to take medicine for the rest of his life. He had to have surgery. He had to do this. He had to do this. Whether it was his brain tumor, whether it was his torn rotator cuff, his spinal stenosis, the list goes on and on. He experienced firsthand how these new regenerative technologies and precision medicine and simple lifestyle changes could not only help him heal, but make him stronger than ever. So Life Force is a true passion project for Tony to aid everyday people searching for answers on how to improve their energy, vitality, and in strength that extends and lets them live healthier, longer lives. Today, we're going to discuss the top six killers and health threats that most of us face, namely cancer, heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's, stroke, and autoimmune disease. He not only shares some of the groundbreaking new technologies that are being developed to fight these diseases, but it wouldn't be a plan strong conversation if we didn't dive into these lifestyle changes and discuss what we can all do to improve our health right this second. And I'm talking eating a whole food, plant-based diet, quality sleep, movement, and purpose. Okay, remember, your DNA doesn't determine your destiny. It's your dinner, it's your lunch, and it's your breakfast. With that, please enjoy my conversation with a true life force, Tony Robbins. And make sure you stay tuned for my last question with Tony. I think you're going to love his answer. Okay, thanks. Tony Robbins, welcome to the Plant Strong Podcast. Can I give you a high five? <laughs> you certainly can, Rip. Yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you. Yes, it's my pleasure. Uh, Tony, you are a life force and you have brought this into the universe yesterday, <laughs> right? Life force, yes. Tony Robbins. How does it feel to finally get this little baby of yours out there? It's a three-year project, so it feels so nice. So, so nice to hear people's response to it already because it's been out for about 24 hours, and I'm just so thrilled to see people's um, capacity to see what they can do with their life change. Uh, there's so much new technology, as you know, because I know you've read most of it, 
yeah. uh, that people just don't know about. And if you know about it, it's like ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is pain. And if you know the answers, you can make changes in your body so rapidly today because of some of these new tools and technology, as well as some of the things you and I have already known, but a lot of people just don't practice that can change things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into some of that. Uh, you know, just, I know you know this, but you right now are number one on Amazon of all books. You're right ahead of Little Blue Trucks Valentine and uh, James Cleary's Atomic Habits. Number one. Well, that's the, uh, James Cleary. He's been crushing it for a long time. He's done a great job with that book. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you start off this book with a fantastic quote. It's an Indian proverb. You say that a healthy person has a thousand wishes, but a sick person has only one. That's right. And that to me leads me right into one of the themes, which is you advocate for people to be the CEO of their health and that, and that nobody has a monopoly on medical wisdom. And you personally have been through a lot that kind of informed you, I think, of that. If you could share with our listeners kind of what you went through. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I'd love to give you like a, a two second background because a lot of sure. people have seen me over the years and you know, I do these events and I do some pretty crazy things. I'm on stage 12, 13 hours a day. I burn 11,300 calories in a day. I've had this team follow me for three years that work with a lot of Olympic athletes. They couldn't believe it. I jump a thousand times, you know, keeping people involved because, you know, people wouldn't sit for a three hour movie and I'm taking them for three or four days, 12 hours a day in a stadium of 15 or 20,000 people. So yep. it's always made me a biohacker and it's always made me, you know, I'm always looking for ways to help people improve the quality of their life and your body's obviously the first place. But uh, what people don't know is I've had a lot of crazy experiences along the way. And early in my life, I had the privilege of working with a lot of great athletes, turning them around, some great business people and politicians. And as a result, by the time I was 19, literally, I started when I was 17, I was on the world stage doing some really interesting things. And then, you know, there's a part of our brain I know you know about, Rip, not all of us are aware of it, but it's that subconscious part of the brain. It's that survival brain. And if you don't learn how to manage it, when things really go well quickly, you make up stuff. And my brain started going, well, yeah, I'm working 20 hour days, but maybe I'm successful like this so early because I'm going to die young. Yeah. And then, you know, my brain didn't stop with that. You know, you get these weird thoughts in your head and I didn't know how to manage them back then. And so then I, I, would, I wasn't thinking about like getting hit by a car real quick. It was more like I was going to die slowly of cancer. And if you focus on something enough, as you well know, pretty soon you end up finding yourself in a unique place. And so it cancered in my life, not me first. First, it was with a friend, my my girlfriend at the time, she came home crying uncontrollably one day. And my mother, my mother were like, what? I finally got the story. Her mother had cancer and they told her she had nine weeks to live. And I think if it had been about me, I probably would have been overwhelmed. But, you know, most of us will do more for those we love than mm. we will for ourselves. And so, like, everything inside me is like, she's not going to die. I've had this belief I learned from my original teacher, Jim Rohn, that success leaves clues. So if there are people who've had stage four cancer, sent home to die and they live, thousands of them, there's something in common. We're going to find out what it is. And so, you know, I was a speed reader and I was, you know, obsessed with reading anyway. So I started reading everything I could find in the literature. And then I found this book called One Answer to Cancer. Rip, it's not the book I would recommend today because there's so many better tools. But back then it was really interesting because this man was a dentist who was told he was got six weeks to live. He had pancreatic cancer, which, of course, is one of the most deadly cancers. Yeah. And, you know, he wrote this book 15 years later, free and clear of the disease. 
and described how he detoxed his body and then how he used pancreatic enzymes, live enzymes to stimulate the growth in his body again. And so I went to this woman who's in her early 40s. Her name was Jenny. And I said, Jenny, like, I know you don't want to die. And then they're telling you you're going to do this and they're telling you to go home. I suggest read this. See what this man did. He's a role model of something much more intense than what you're dealing with. I mean, it's equally intense when someone tells you you're going to die. And then I give her, as a man, think of the kind of manager head. And I said, why don't you give it a shot? And to her credit, she read the book. She got really inspired. And within a few weeks of applying what she learned from this man, you know, she had a tumor, uh, a large one on, the, on her back, and then one in her female organs uh, metastasized. Mm -hmm. And she started feeling better and better, like ridiculously better, more energy again. And within about six weeks, you couldn't see the tumor. You couldn't even feel it protruding anymore. So at 10 weeks, when she's supposed to be dead by now, the doctor said, well, maybe we should do exploratory surgery. And she came to me at 19 years old, if you can imagine, almost 20, and said, what should I do? And I said, well, if I tell you not to do it and you die, I said, you got to make that your choice yourself. But it was me. You're making progress. I'd keep making progress. But he convinced her to do the surgery. And it was ironic. They found something the size of the end of my pinky fingernails, all that was left in her whole body. And the doctor said, this is a miracle. And she said, it is a miracle, but let me tell you what I did. And he's like, no, no, this is spontaneous remission. This is a miracle. What you did doesn't matter. And she didn't give that up. And now she's in her 80s, still alive today. And it changed me from fear and victimhood about my body to becoming obsessed with how do I maximize my energy and my strength and my ability. And it set me on a course to be able to do what I've been doing for the last 45 years. And it also made me look for answers. And thank God, because... You know, I had my own experience then at 32, 32 years old. I'm, you know, I'm a helicopter pilot and, you know, I go to get a physical every two years. You have to, to keep your license. And, you know, it's a typical physical. I leave, I'm leaving for the South of France in a couple of days. And I keep getting messages from my assistant saying, the doctor says he wants to talk to you. And I said, please tell him to just send the report. I'm super busy. And I get home one night, the night before I'm supposed to leave. And I've got a note there taped to my door that says, the doctor says it's an emergency. You need to call him tonight immediately. Well, I didn't get home till 1230 in the morning, so I get an answering service. So you know what the mind does. I start going, oh, my God, after all I've done all these years, take care of myself. Could I have cancer? You know, I'm, I'm on planes. Is it radiation? You know, the mind goes crazy. At least mine did. Yeah. But I've, I've learned the foundation of finding your center. And it's like there's an old phrase that says the coward dies a thousand deaths, the courageous person once. It's like, let me wait and find out what it really is. Sure enough, I wake up the next morning, a lot of foreboding. I call the doc. And he's just very abrupt. He said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you have uh, you know, a cancer in your brain. I said, what are you talking about? I came, I'm totally healthy. I just came for this physical. He goes, no, it's at the base of your brain. It's your pituitary. There's a tumor there and we must do surgery immediately. It's like, slow down. I said, tell me, how could you possibly know this? He said, well, I did some blood tests on you because I noticed you probably have a larger, larger amount of growth hormone. I said, well, how'd you figure that? My hands are bigger than your head. I wear a size 16 shoe. I grew 10 inches in a year. Yeah, okay. But what has that got to do with anything? He said, I'm telling you, you, you need to come up for your MRI, but I guarantee you have a tumor. And I said, Doc, I said, you know, well, what's the prognosis if I did? He said, well, we'll do surgery immediately. And he said, you don't have to tell you, obviously you can die. That's one possibility. But he said, most likely we'll get it out. You live a long life, but you know, your endocrine system is not going to be the same. And you're just to be prepared for the fact that you won't have the kind of energy you have right now. It's like, well, my energy is my life. And so I said, listen, I want to get a second opinion. And I'm sure, are you still there? there we go. I'm sure you know, you know, the Mayo Clinic yeah, they did a yeah. study in 2017. There have been many, but the most recent one I saw, they now tell everyone, even their own doctors, people should get a second opinion because they did a study with 286 patients 
And when they did the study, they found only 12% of the time was the first diagnosis the same as a second opinion. In other words, 88% of the time it was different. Incredible. And by having multiple diagnoses, it refined it and made it easier to treat. So I didn't know that study, but because of Jenny, the first lady, I had learned you better get multiple opinions. And so I said, Doc, I'd like a recommendation for second opinion. Of course, his bedside manner was not ideal. Mm -hmm. And he was very gruff. And he said, if you figure it out yourself. So I went to you know the south of France to do my event thinking I'll just let go of this. He's wrong. Of course, the mind keeps going. So eventually I came home and I went and did the MRI. And sure enough, I had a tumor, good size one. So I decided I'm going to try somebody else. I'm going to look at somebody who looks at the biochemical side versus surgery. And I went to this endocrinologist that's in Boston, was a very famous man. He had a completely different approach. Rip. He was just the sweetest human being in the world. And he said, listen to me, the tumor's there. It actually infarct. It swallowed a little bit of itself up, but it's still there. It's, but I would never do the surgery. It's way too risky. I know of a group in Switzerland has developed this new treatment. It's an injection only twice a year. You can fly twice a year and it keeps your arteries from getting too big because what I have is called gigantism and the arteries get big and you die because yeah. you know, the blood flow changes. And I said, well, doc, I said, but you just told me my arteries are normal size for my size body, my size heart. He said, that's true, but we want to be certain it stays that way. I said, well, I'm not certain that the drug is going to be the right answer for me. What if there's side effects? And he said, Tony, you know, trust me, this is going to be great. This is what you need. And I said, well, the other guy wants to cut me. He goes, and he started laughing. He was the nicest man. He goes, the baker wants to bake. The surgeon wants to cut. And I want to drug you. He goes, that's the nature of things. I said, what if I did nothing, but I just measured. And if anything got bigger, then I took action. He goes, well, I wouldn't recommend that. But, you know, it's your choice if that's what you wanted to do. And thank God I chose that. Yeah. Because six months later, they tried to bring this drug into the U.S. and the FDA in their studies found it created cancer. Mm. So I, I missed the bullet again. I then went to six other doctors. The last doctor I stopped with said to me, Tony, you have huge amount of horth- horth- you know, this growth hormone. But he said, you do like the equivalent of two marathons in a weekend and your body recovers in two days. I really believe the growth hormone allows you to have this incredible recovery. And he said, I know bodybuilders will pay $1,200 a month to get what you're getting for free. Yeah. So I've measured since then. I'm 62. I was 32. I've had no problem. And so that really shifted me. But why I finally wrote this book was the third thing that happened to me, to give you context, which is I was being an idiot um, about five years ago. I'm chasing a young person who's a pro down the, the hill who's a snowboarder, and I'm snowboarding. I don't have that person's skill. And it was quite disastrous. I thought I broke my neck, but it, the, the wreck looked horrible. But thank God all I did, but it was still unbelievably painful, is I ripped the shreds out of my rotator cuffs. And I was, you know, on zero to 10, nine, nine pain. Like really, I've been in pain before, but severe, you know, nerve pain, couldn't sleep, an hour sleep. So I found out about PEMF, Pulse Electronic Magnificent Frequency, which I think you know about, Rip. And there's like 3,000 studies and I did it and it literally took my pain from nine, nine to about a five. So now I could sleep. Yeah, but it didn't make everything recover. It's good for recovering bones. It's good for nerves, but it was just too much going on. So I went to these doctors, four doctors in a row, all surgery, surgery, surgery. And I said, okay, well, if I do the surgery, what's the prognosis? Well, to be honest, you may not be able to lift your arm above your shoulder again. I'm like, this is what I do for a living. Right. And secondly, you could tear again. And how long will it take for rehab? Four to six months. And I'm like, I can't have one arm doing what I'm doing with 10, 20,000 people. I said, there's got to be another option. And I work with a lot of the greatest of all time athletes, some of the most amazing ones in the world. And some of them have really had extraordinary results with stem cells. So I said, what about stem cells? Each doctor, 
every doctor said, no, they'll never do it for this. They're, they're worthless, that they're overblown. So I called uh, Peter Diamandis. He's a rocket scientist, good friend of mine, and also uh, an MD from Harvard. And I said, you're networked. Who can I get to is the best in the world in this so I can get the best answers, not these generalized answers. And he said, Tony, go to see Dr. Bob Harari, who's now a partner and co-author in the book as well. Mm -hmm. He said, Bob, I knew Bob was a neurosurgeon, one of the best in the world, but he said, no, Tony, he, he was 38 years ago, the, the initial studies that helped to discover stem cells. And so it's kind of, I didn't know at the time, it's kind of like saying, you want to learn about basketball? Let me introduce you to my friend, LeBron James, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that. And so I met Bob and Bob said, look, Tony, at your age, I was 53, 50, about to be 54. He goes, stem cells drop off the cliff at 40. So autologists, your own stem cells, maybe for a, an elbow or a knee, but this is never going to be enough. He said, you need the force of life. That's why I call it life force. You need, you know, the energy that comes from 40 old stem cells. And I said, I'm not into fetal tissue. And he said, no, 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 it's not that. He said, you know, when babies are born, the placenta and the cord are often thrown away, most often. Sometimes people save them today because we know more about it. Bob was one of the first people to, to discover that. And he said, but this is very different. It could give you the difference. You can always go back to surgery. So he told me where to go. I went and did it. I did three days of just an IV, 20 minutes a day, one mm -hmm. single shot. And oh, I left out the most important part. The fourth doctor, like had been touched by my work. I didn't know him. I just, you know, came in and he went, oh my God, you changed my life. You've done this, you've done that, you're amazing. And then he turns to me and says, literally looks at me like this and says, now I have to be fair, I have to be your doctor. Life as you know it is over. I said, excuse me? And he said, well, let me show you your spine. You have severe spinal stenosis. Of course, I've been in massive pain for more than 14 years. And he said, I'm telling you, one, you cannot snowboard. You cannot jump on stage. You cannot run. He said, one good hit, one good fall. And he said, you literally might not be able to walk again. And you know, when somebody hits you in the gut and you're prepared for it, Rip, you know, you can handle it. But I'm a pretty nah. strong guy. But I got to tell you, there was about two or three hours where I thought my life was over. And I finally got my head together, said there's answers. Went and saw Bob, went and did this. So here's what happens. Day one, you know, I felt a little tired. I went and slept. Day two, I had a cytokine response. I'm sure you know what I mean. It's shaking, freezing. I knew what it was, so I wasn't scared. I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning. And for the first time in 14 years, not only was my shoulder perfect, and I have an MRI, it's still perfect. This is like four years ago. Yeah. But my spinal stenosis, there was zero pain in my body and there still is in my, in my spine. Yeah. And so I became an evangelist. I want to know everything about every kind of stem cell. Everything. And then I discovered it's not just stem cells. There is this revolution in regenerative and precision medicine that's been building for years, and it's hitting the cusp where it's exploding. So mm -hmm. I get invited by the Pope, yeah. believe it or not, the Pope at the Vatican every two years brings together the best doctors in the world of regenerative medicine and precision medicine and stem cells. And he brings them all together because he sees this as a gift to humanity. So sure enough, you know, I go there and they offer me to be the cleanup speaker for, you know, the end of the three days. And I said, here's the deal. I'll do it. I'll be happy to give the time, but I want to go to the rest of all the classes with the other docs. Yeah. So I did. And I had the education of a lifetime. And I met people. I met an 11-year-old child supposed to die at four, 6% chance of living, got his sister stem cells when she was born. And because of her, he's alive today. I met dozens of people, I mean dozens, more than two dozen people who were sent home either to die or sent to, you know, go to hospice because they had severe cancers. This is it. You're terminal. And they didn't give up and they managed to get into a trial, like, for example, for CAR T cells. And they're alive today, five years later, seven years later. By the way, CAR T cells in nature this week, you, you know, you know, Rip, cancer doctors never use the word cure. Mm -hmm. But for these liquid, you know, type of cancers or leukemia, 
the, yeah. the latest study which shows 10 years later, those CAR T cells are still destroying cancer cells. And these people are cancer free. They're calling it a cure now, many doctors. So I met all them. And then I met Jack Nicholas, you know, the greatest golfer of all time. And he told me, they told him he was in pain where he couldn't stand for more than 10 minutes without being in massive pain. He had to sit down. So they wanted to fuse his spine. Yeah. Not, you probably know, Rip, that less than 50% of the time does that even work. And even if it does, you're not left with your mobility. And he, thank God, chose to do stem cells. And now he's 82 and he plays tennis again and golf again and has this great life. So I came out of that and I said, I'm on a mission. I want to take the best of this and yeah. bring it to the general public because they just don't know about it. Had you, started, had you had you already had you already write, started writing the book or was this? No, I didn't. No, I wrote the book because of that trip because I learned it wasn't just stem, stem cells are amazing, yeah. but that's not all. And so then I started doing my homework, right? So then you and I both know technology doubles every eighteen months and halves in cost, right? And all and so that tech revolution is now happening to you and I because we're all code. So mm -hmm. I know you know about CRISPR, I'm sure, and gene therapy. Well, actually, actually, diseases that have never been cured before. Yeah, no, actually, I don't know about CRISPR until I read it in the book. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, no. I'm glad you do. Literally, yeah. and you read in the book, so you know, like kids with sickle cell anemia, an uncurable disease, they cure it now with gene therapy. Or there's a young man that was on America's uh, Has Talent, and yeah. he's blind, and now he can see from gene therapy. Or, you know, just again, stem cells, um, you know, um, some of the greatest athletes in the world who are like the best soccer players, like Ronaldo, you know, he did it instead of three months of you know, therapy, it took him two weeks and he's back on the field again. And so, and then I started seeing things like there's a brand new, uh, this is mind boggling. If you have osteoarthritis, yep. there's a company right now that's in phase three trials. Now for your audience to know, phase one is safety, phase two is effectiveness, efficacy. And phase three is efficacy at scale. And then if you hit phase three and you succeed, you get approval from the FDA. So they're in the final phase of approval. They think they'll get approved in the fall or early spring. Here's what's unbelievable. Single shot. If you got osteoarthritis, this pain throughout your whole body, it triggers something called the WNT WNT pathway. Yep. When you're born, you got fetal cells. After that, everything you call you was directed by the WNT pathway. It tells the stem cells, make this many brain cells, heart cells, et cetera. But as you get older, the signaling system gets weaker. They've figured out how to turn it on, amplify it, or shrink it based on need. And when it comes to somebody with osteoarthritis, that one shot, over 11 months, you regrow all your tendons. But it's clean from the epigenome. So it's like 16-year-old tendons, even if you're 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. Um, there's, there's a new test. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that, I, I want some of that right now. <laughs> oh, you and me too, brother. I'm, I'm in. I'm first in line. I invested in the company and said, I want to be one of the first people there, right? But so, but in, all, my body. but in all seriousness, like, is this available at Fountain Life Centers that you're, you know, Yes, but, but you're of? not limited. We have Fountain Life Centers in seven cities across the U.S., Abu Dhabi, et cetera, and they're expanding. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not here to have people only go to us. We have an app so we can connect you to people that can do these things for you around the world if you're not near one of our centers. But I'll give you an example, another one, heart yeah. disease. Heart disease is the number one killer of men and women worldwide, right? Yeah. 18 million people die a year. We worry about COVID. This goes way beyond what you see in COVID. And now COVID patients are having you know, heart problems, some of them. But check this out. If you're, what's the state of the art? Well, in order to see what's going on inside of you, we want to see, you know, is there a buildup within those arteries or not? And so a CT scan has been the most advanced way to do that. But if you've ever seen a CT scan, even doctors, they're super hard to read. They're gray, they're difficult. 
lot of times people end up with surgeries they don't need. It's really hard to deal with. And they don't tell you this. Is this calcified? Because if it's calcified, then all of a sudden it means it's healed. You have nothing to worry about versus is it soft? If it's soft, it can break off and they call it the widow maker, give you a stroke yep. or give you a heart attack. And so one of my partners called me this less than six months ago. He said, Tony, and this is a guy who, by the way, owns 12 hospitals. He's selling all of them now because he's totally full in on precision medicine and, and regenerative medicine. He doesn't want to be part of the disease culture anymore. Yep. And so he called, and this guy's an understated guy. He never overstates. He's like, you know, everybody leans in when Dr. Bill Cap <laughs> speaks. And so he says, Tony, like in his, his gentle way, he said, I, I've been exposed and we've got some first exposure to what I believe is one of the first and biggest breakthroughs in the last 10 years in cardiology. And so I'm leaning in, Bob, well, you know, Bill, you know, what is it? And Bill says, well, you know, CT scans. I said, yeah, he goes, this is called a CCTA scan. It's made by a company called Clearly. We got the first access. He goes, it'll be available to everybody over time. But he said, it literally uses an AI to take that CT scan and open your arteries digitally, go in and search for and see is the plaque calcified or not? If it's calcified, you're healed. There's nothing to worry about. If it's not calcified, then it can break off and you can have a problem. And it can predict, you know, a heart attack up to five years in advance. But more important, tell you where it is and tell you what to do to cleanse it out of your body. Mm -hmm. So my father-in-law is with me and he's just turned 80. And so I said, Dad, you know, and by the way, I've seen this man. He's, uh, you know, he's a self-made man. He had a lumber business. But when you get near 80, a lot of people start saying, well, you're getting older, you should organize your affairs. And I could watch over the last two or three years his energy dropping and just the mindset. And so I said, Dad, I told him about this thing. I said, I'm going to go do this test. There's nothing wrong with me, but I said, I'd love you to come with me. I said, we're both old enough. We're going to have some of those soft plaques, but it'd be good to know where they are. And, and they'll give us a plan to clean it up. So he says, okay. So we fly to the center here in Florida, in Western Florida, and, and I bring my pops there. He gets tested, Rip. He has no soft, no problems whatsoever. He's clean as a whistle. I mean, the guy looks like he's 25 years old. And when they tell him this, his entire world changes, right? I was better, much better than I was five years ago. I'm in really great shape, but he was better than I was, right? It's just totally amazing. And then there's these techniques that we've done for some of the greatest athletes I've had it done. You know, if an athlete, you know, they can have a career ending injury and the injury is often soft tissue, then you can't get circulation through and sometimes nerves get trapped. And so this, there's this approach where they scan the body and they can see exactly what's going on. And then they use a very simple syringe and they use the fluid, amnio fluid, same thing you were born in, and they open up the tissue so the circulation returns and the nerve of its trap pops out. So I had this ankle from being on stage 14, 15 years ago, nothing in rehab worked. And if somebody even a massage therapist, don't touch the ankle, because if you touched it, it felt like a nerve was shocking me through my whole body. I went in there, it took five minutes, they figured it out, treated it. That was two years ago. You can smack me, nothing feels that way. So I say to my dad, well, while you're here, yeah, you know, you got this hip problem. Why don't you let the docs look at you? So they scan him, they see exactly what the problem is. They treat him in less than 30 minutes. He walks down the hall, because what makes you feel old is pain and not smoothness, right? He walks smooth as silk. He's like a new man. So we get on the plane. You appreciate this, Rip. And I sit across from him and I, he's got his arms crossed like this. And he goes, you know, Tony, he says, you know, these guys that talk about living 110, 120, I don't know about that. And he goes, you know what? I can live another 20 years. My heart is perfect. It's like a 25-year-old. I'm walking perfect. He goes, you've only been married to my daughter 22 years. That's like all another lifetime. You know? And his whole <laughs> life has changed. 
So I'm obsessed with finding those tools. And, you know, then there's spaces like, you know, Dr. David Sinclair, the longevity expert from Harvard, who's actually showed we could slow. And in animals, he's actually reversed the aging process. And now he's starting to test it in humans. He's 53 years old chronologically, yep. but he's 33 biologically. You can measure it now because your organs and body doesn't all age at the same pace. I've been doing what he did to his father, who was 80 years old and 10 years ago. He barely could walk, was losing cognition. Now he outlifts David in the gym at 80 years old, walks two to three miles a day. Cognition's great. I've done it for about nine months. I just did my test. I'm 62, but I'm 51 chronologically. So my goal is keep doing these things till I hopefully get into the early 40s as my body is concerned. So we're living in the greatest time to be alive, but most people know nothing that's going on because they're stuck in standard of care or we hear nothing but COVID and death and fear. And so I really want to bring it forward. So everything in this book, none of it is my opinion. I yep. interviewed 150 of the best Nobel laureate scientists and regenerative doctors, the best in the world, and everything in it is theirs. And everything is documented. And what it basically do is I bring you the best on earth and you know what to do to increase your energy or your strength or your vitality at any age. Or if you're really having a problem, here's how to turn around. And here are some of the tools that help you never get caught up in the problem in the first place with a kind of diagnosis. And then if you end up with cancer, heart disease, or, or Alzheimer's, here are the best tools that are available in the world today. And then we're donating 100% of the profits like I did my last three books. You know, I was fed when I was 11 years old, so I fed 42 million people up until seven years ago. And then I set a goal to feed 100 million people a year, a billion people over 10 years. I partnered with Feeding America, and we're seven years into it, and we're at 850 million meals. And so this book, All the Profits Feed 20 Million People, and then the balance goes to Alzheimer's, cancer, and heart disease research. So it's a that's, book that can change someone's life, but also it's helping other people simultaneously. No, that's that's amazing. And do you know, uh, you know, based upon what you've written about in the book and, you know, the power of simple lifestyle changes, do you know if the meals that you're sending out, are they kind of pivoting a little bit to be more plant-based? <laughs> well, it depends on who you deal with. Feeding America tries to do that anyway. Yeah. But, you know, they're the best organization because they're distribution channel. And so I can get the mass number. So I encourage the heck out of it. And they're yeah. really open to it. But in some regions, it's harder than others because you're dealing with food banks. Sure. But a lot of this food is donated and a lot of it is plant based. It's just the nature of what usually gets donated to them. And that's the good news of it. Yeah. Um, you don't you don't see a lot of you don't see TV dinners being donated, you know, or things of that nature. But I can't control the whole piece. I got to start with just getting people food yep, yep. and try to get them the best source we possibly can. Well, we're, we're heading towards a billion meals. And then I have an X prize that I did. I funded a million dollars of it. And I've got the heads of the UAE to help me and partner with me with a 20 million dollar prize. And we have people that are start competing from all over the world to come up with vegetable based protein sources that are delicious enough for people to go. So think of impossible beef on steroids, you yeah. know, I mean, not physically steroids, but improved. And the winner has to have the one that they have a group of chefs that will compete the highest best chefs in the world to get something that's flavorful so that someone does it because it tastes better, not because it's better because guys like you are going to eat it because it's healthier. But the majority of people who doesn't taste better are not going to change. So we're trying to enter their world and provide a cost basis that's lower than anything else in the world as well so that we can feed the extra billion people that are in the planet here that you know aren't sure where they're going to find their next meal. We'll get right back to Tony, but first I wanted to share a letter, especially while we're discussing actions to take today to improve your health and your health span. My name is Carol. I'm 77 and a half. 
I'm on no medication. I have been vegan since my mid-30s, and I am now Plant Strong. I am so grateful Plant Strong is universally known. God bless everyone that's involved making Plant Strong a household name. Every day, I look in the mirror, put my thumb up, and say, I am Plant Strong. I feel every beautiful plant that lights up my body. As you can tell, I'm very grateful. Thank you so much for reading. Thank you for your time and energy. Carol, <laughs> I want to thank you on behalf of the whole Plant Strong team for your super kind note. And I want to give you a big thumbs up right back. Kale, yeah. You are plant strong, and at 77 and a half, you are a shining example of what Tony and I are talking about today. Understanding that your DNA is not your destiny, and you must be the CEO of your own health. We can all feel that beautiful plant strong light shining through in your words. So thank you so much, and continue to stay young. Before we dive back in with with Tony, I do want to say, my kale cousins, that I want to invite you to come check out Plant Strong Foods and discover the ever-growing assortment of products that we are creating to support your lifestyle and fuel your best life. You know it by now, but all of our cereals, granolas, popcorn, and pizza crusts are 100% whole grain, oil-free, low-sodium, and with no added sugar. Our culinary broths are unsalted and will both enhance and elevate your Plant Strong cooking. And our ready-to-eat chilies and stews are the perfect pantry staple, guaranteeing you are never more than 90 seconds away from a satisfying meal that sticks to your ribs. Visit plantstrongfoods.com today and you can save 10% when you start any subscription plan. I want you to know that we're working hard to create more products to help make Plant Strong living easier and easier. Thank you so much for your support. Now, in, in the book, you mentioned how when you were younger, you um, you were vegan when it wasn't kind of a thing at all. Yes. A bit of a trailblazer like that. Yes. What what has happened with you and your and your you know, the way you fuel yourself over the years, are you still predominantly plant-based? Is that fair? Yeah, to I'm say? about 75%. I look at every meal and I want to make 75 to 80% of it to be plant water-based and then 20% some form of protein. But I was, I went to fish at one point yeah. for about 10 years after being a vegan. I just felt like I needed a little bit of, of protein. I burned 11,300 calories in a day on stage, if you can imagine, right? So the demands required more than I was getting from just plant-based elements. So I made that shift. But then I had another challenge uh, around 54. I found myself on stage and, you know, I don't use notes or anything like that. I'm in the audience. I'm 12 hours a day. I'm fully immersed with people. I got to keep them engaged. And suddenly I tell a story and go, why was I telling that story? Or what was I talking about? Yeah. And it got so bad. The audience didn't notice because I was good at what I do, but I didn't want to tell my wife. I was like, I couldn't have dementia at 54 years old. But what it turned out was, I, when I went through the situation with my shoulder, they did all these blood tests. And one of the things they uncovered was I had massive mercury poisoning. And initially, when I say massive, they measure at zero to five. I was 123, the most they'd ever measured in the state of New York. 
I live in Florida. They contacted the Florida Health Department who came to my home and interviewed my staff because they thought maybe my wife was trying to kill me because they'd never seen so much mercury. I have a large life insurance policy, which of course she was not. But then they can measure from the source and they found it was fish. And it's because we pollute our oceans. I was having swordfish and tuna and salad, swordfish and tuna and salad, which is fish and salad because it was fuel. I wasn't doing it for enjoyment. Yep. I needed it for the fuel. And sure enough, these older fish eat all the smaller fish and they absorb all of their mercury. And then I also, my DNA does not methylate as well, just genetically. So it went through the roof. It burned a hole in my esophagus. I lost a third of my blood supply. I was rushed to the hospital. So it takes time. I'm down to like eight on a zero to five scale after all these years. And I tell people it's one of the tests you've got to do as well. It's such a cheap test. About one out of three people that I've recommended have a metals test. We'll find they have, you know, cadmium or they have lead or they have aluminum or they have mercury. And you want to catch it when it's small and easy to deal with. Because a lot of people have, you know, they think they have long-term COVID or they, you know, they they had fuzzy thinking or, you know, they have low energy. And it's usually metals that are disrupting them. And it's easy to solve. Yeah. Another one is cancer, by the way, on diagnostics. The one common thing, Rip, in the entire book is I put these stories of these heroes in there. Oh. So you learn these new tools that are mind boggling, but you also go on a journey that's really beautiful. And you, it also teaches you what to do when you face a giant challenge by modeling people that have done it. But almost every great of the 150 I interviewed, almost every great person who created a breakthrough have one thing in common. They have this enormous drive that almost always came from losing someone they loved, a hmm. husband, a wife, a child, or someone really close to them. And what it did rip is it made them like gear up and say, I will not accept the standard of care. There yep. is another answer and go 10, 20, 30 years to where we are now, where we have answers that we've never had before. Like CAR T cells is just one example. Yeah. So on the blood, I mean, on the cancer side, the Cancer Society just came out recently and did a study with 100,000 people. And the most important thing that came out of that study was they found that if you catch things at stage three or four, statistically, you have an 80% chance of dying. Now, I prefer a 20% chance of living and figuring out what that is, but their point is, it's hard to turn around. If you catch it at stage one or two, you've got an 80 to 99.9% .9 chance of living. Yeah. And it's sometimes even an outpatient component that can be there. The problem is we have some tests for cancer, mammograms, colonoscopies, but most of the cancers that get us, we don't have tests for. So a man who lost his wife two and a half years to cancer, and he was a Google guy, very wealthy and very smart man. When his wife died, he decided that his number one thing was she would have lived if they could have, it's true, if they would have caught her earlier. They caught her at stage uh, almost four. Is this, Carl, is this Carl June you're talking about? Who no, talking no, I'm about? talking about a different gentleman. This gentleman oh. on, on the cancer side is a gentleman that worked for Google. He's uh, okay. trying to remember his first name, but he's, he's a brilliant guy. Jeff Huber is his name, Jeff Huber. Yeah. And, and Jeff created something called Grail. It just came out in the last five months. And it's a blood test that can go through your bloodstream. It's super inexpensive and can find up to 50 different cancers, ones we don't normally have tests for, yeah. and let you know even more before you have symptoms. So I'll give you an example. At one of our Fountain Life Centers, we had a man that came by. His wife you know, was pushing him, saying, you got to get the latest in diagnostics. And he's like, honey, I just did a normal physical, and they did my blood, and they did my urinalysis, and I'm fine. We did this Grail test with him, found out he had bladder cancer but it was just the beginning of it. So it was an outpatient procedure that took 20 minutes and he's cancer free. Hmm. So it's like, we have to know what's going on. So the CTTA test for your heart 
MRI for what bond that what they can't find is on the, the blood brain barrier. So MRI does that. Yeah. And the rest of your grail, you catch it when it's little, it's a different world. So that's part of what this book is about also is discovering what is you can do. And I'll give you one more, just hormones. Yeah. All women pretty much, especially women in their late 30s, early 40s, are familiar with you know hormone replacement therapy because of menopause. And there's a lot of conflict. I wrote, by the way, I have an entire chapter in the book on women's health, but I did not write it because I'm not a woman. I want it written from a woman's perspective. So I brought three of the best female doctors together and it's got breakthrough information for people to clarify what's really the latest science today. But you know, hormone replacement therapy is when you're so far down the line. But even for men, your hormones start to change earlier, sometimes mid thirties, late thirties, certainly early forties for many people. And you don't have to go for replacement if you deal with it earlier on. So we had a man who came to one of the Fountain Life Centers, really frustrated, he's tried to work out like crazy, nothing's working, he's 36 pounds overweight. His wife is upset because he doesn't seem to stay focused. He's frustrated, doesn't feel like he can concentrate. And we said, well, have you looked at your hormones? Have you had a hormone test? Oh yeah, hormone test, doctor says I'm fine. So we look at this test, and his hormones, his testosterone was, I think, 225, if I remember right. Mm. And, and I don't know if you know it, Rip, but most men don't feel like human unless they have seven, eight, or 900, sometimes slightly more, to feel alive. Yeah. But most doctors don't tell you until you're like 175, and it's a real problem. So a small amount of supplementation of that testosterone, in three and a half months, he lost the 36 pounds, feels like he's 10 years younger and changed his, changed his life. So there's so many little things that if you know what's going on that you can do. And around cancer, by the way, I'm sure you probably already know this, but broccoli sprouts. I mean, we show you all these high tech things, but we show you these simple things. So broccoli mm. sprouts have sulforaphane in them. And there are thousands of studies showing how it prevents cancer. But more importantly, studies show it reduced breast cancer in the breast by 80%. So it's like there's so much you can do. And you got your kale across your shirt, so I'm sure you know these mm. things. But most people don't. And so we show you the little things that are not high tech that can change your life immediately. And yeah. then we show you the high tech things as well that can transform your energy, your health and your strength. Yes, you do. And, uh, you know, you and I are both friends with Doug Evans, the, yes. sprout, the sprout man, yes. uh, who, God, he's pushing those sprouts and the sulforaphane and the broccoli. It's, 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 it's pretty cool. Uh, yes. I would love it. Again, you know, I find I found the book to be so um, it flowed so nicely the way you mixed the, the, the science with all these great stories to back it up. Yeah. But um, and I'm not pronouncing this name right, I don't think. But you talked about under the uh, Heroes of Regenerative Medicine, Maritime, Maritime Rothblatt, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Martine, Martine, Martine Rothblatt. Martine. And how she just kind of was at the head of the class as far as being trailblazers. Uh, I'd love for you to. Is. Yeah. So Martine, yeah. people would know her name because uh, they may know her name anyway. She was one of the highest paid CEOs in the United States because she created Sirius Radio. Right. She was, you know, a scientist, kind of a tech person. She was actually a man who became a woman. Her her wife and kids got to vote and she transformed because she didn't feel she was that normal component. And she felt she was herself. And so she built this huge company, Sirius Radio. And then her daughter, Genesis is her name, developed a special lung disease and was told that she would die and there's no treatment for it. And this is a woman who is a real creator. And so what she do, she sold her stock, cashed in, took all her money and said, I'm gonna save my daughter's life. And she said, I cannot believe there's no d drug for this. And you know, there's a waiting list of more than 100,000 people for lungs and, and for various you know, organs transplants. You just, 
you're, you got to be lucky to get there. And her daughter wasn't being lucky and she's starting to not be able to breathe. And so she started with a simple biology book, starting with the library and studying everything she could about human biology. And then she hired some of the greatest experts in the world. And she went at it with every resource she had. And she finally found a drug company had a drug that had failed for what they're using it for, but it changed one of the side effects of the drug. It changed the pressurization around the lungs. And that's exactly what she needed for her daughter. So she attempted to buy it, but they wouldn't sell it to her. They said, we're not going to sell you this. This, you know, this didn't work. It's powder. But, you know, no for her. She always says no is always, you know, you need at least 100 no's before you get a yes. That's standard. And her mindset is I'm getting a yes. So they wouldn't give it to her. She's not a doctor. So she hired all these doctors. She went and worked on every way she could to solve this. She finally convinced them to sell this little powder to her, which they sold, sent her in a little bag that had been in a lab. I think it was, I have to remember, I put it in the bag. I think it was like $25,000 and a percentage of some future profits. But they thought it, and she'd do nothing with it. She saved her daughter's life. She built the company now as a valuation. I think it's about $6 billion. Uh, and she saved thousands of lives with this. But she didn't stop there. She said, you know, this is great for some, but some people it's not enough. They need a replacement lung. And there aren't enough of them. Yeah. So she created a machine that could take lungs that are damaged, heal them up, and then send them to doctors to replace within people. And then she said, the future though is we need replacements for all our organs. Listen, if you got an old car and you replace the tires and the axle and you replace the engine and you replace the paint, you got a new car basically. She said, why can't we do that with human beings? And so you may know that Dr. Anthony Atala from Wake Forest University for 12 years has been working with the Department of Defense. And like if a guy gets his ear blown off, I have a picture in the book. You do. He takes their own stem cells, sprays them on a scaffolding, and in 45 days, they have an ear to put back on, on your head that looks exactly like your and doesn't get rejected because it's made of your stem cells. <laughs> yeah. He's done 12 years of bladders for people that have never been rejected. So his work has stimulated many other people. So there's two races going on. There are people, and Martine's doing one of these, which is she's one of the people building these organs. And it sounds like sci-fi, but it's happening right now. Yeah. yeah. But she also said, I need a parallel track that could get us there quicker because there are people dying right now because they can't get organs. And her view was pig organs are almost identical in size to humans, but you can't replace them because they have their own viruses that we would destroy our bodies and we would reject. So she you know, teamed up with some geneticists at Harvard and together they figured a way using gene therapy to get these viruses off the animal, kind of humanize the pig organ. And they said, because 1% of all the pigs we slaughter for bacon would provide all the organs you would need. And so she told me, I think this is the first solution. She told me where she was. I interviewed her about this for the first time two years ago and followed up a year ago. And a year ago, I said, when do you think this is really going to happen? She said, Tony, right around the time your book comes out, we'll be replacing somebody's heart for the first time. And I thought, that sounds a little fast, right, from nowhere. Yeah. But I don't know if you saw, but two weeks ago, three weeks ago, they just did the first heart replacement with a pig into a, a normal human being. And she was the, the company that provided the resources for it. So they're beginning that process while they're also, there's a group called Army, A-M-R-M-I, that's working Department of Defense. And they're building this conveyor belt to do what Dr. Atala does, where they put in your skin cells, they can convert it to what are called pluripotent stem cells, stem cells that can become anything. And they go through a six week to eight week process. And on the other side, you end up with an organ. And they believe in two years. And again, these guys are 
the smartest in the in the world. Yeah. In two years, we should have our first pediatric hearts because if a little baby has a heart problem, you can't do a replacement. And so they and right now, thus far, they're on target to do it. So we're living again in a time that's it's, beyond imagination for most people. No, it's 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 mind boggling. It truly is. And then also, I think I, I read in your book like three D printers that are able to print. That, that's what this is. They take your stem cells. Okay. They, three, they spray across this structure and they 3D print your organs for you and they don't get rejected because it's your own stem cells. They're also, by the way, you know, if somebody gets burned like a fireman or someone falls in a fire and their face is disfigured. Yeah. For time memorial, the way they treat this, most people don't know, is they put cadaver skin on you. Pretty grotesque. Mm. And then your face looks pretty mangled. Well, there are, I think it's 12 hospitals now in the U.S. that have this new spray-on stem cell approach. They take your stem cells, they spray them on. I have a picture in the book and a link so you can watch a video. And you see this person who looks totally disfigured, and then you see him six weeks later, it looks like they weren't even burnt. Again, all this sounds like sci-fi or miracles. It is miraculous, but it's happening as we speak. And so for, and for people that want, like, are interested in this, if they just go to the Fountain Life Centers and the app, like yeah, they can go to the app and they can do it. But also in the book, yeah. you don't even have to do business with us. We have company, yeah. you know, company that does a lot of these things. But I, I recommend to you and show you who the doctors are, where they're doing anywhere, or they can go to, you yeah. know, lifeforce.com and that'll take you to Fountain Life if you're interested in diagnostics. Or there's another company called My Life Force that does peptides and hormones and things of that nature. Uh, so let's talk for a sec about sleep. Because I think oh, you it, it. And, and, and until you dove in with Matthew Walker, and you know why we sleep uh you i think we're having you you didn't, you didn't sleep the greatest is that correct no i, I was i'll sleep when i die was my attitude. my wife loves eight <laughs> hours sleep please come to bed honey i'll sleep when i die don't worry i don't need to sleep and so i've i've run pretty hard in my life and then i meet dr walker who's a neuroscientist right you know head of neurology over there at the uc berkeley he's kind of like the sleep guru of the world of google and people like that and he convinced me, I'll tell you, he convinced me. First of all, I'm doing my homework on sleep at 6.15 in the morning and I gotta be up at 9.30. You know, so <laughs> there's something wrong with this picture. And then I meet him and he says, Tony, I think I can convince you that you need more sleep. And he goes, I'll tell you how. We've done a study on 1.6 billion people around sleep. I said, there's no way you could have coordinated that. He goes, I didn't have to. A lot of, to. A lot of data points it, there. <laughs> he said, I don't have to because it's called you know, daytime savings, daylight savings, and it happens in 70 countries. And here's what they found out. This is wild. In 70 countries, when we spring forward, right, and we lose an hour, just one hour, within three days, the average number of heart attacks in all 70 countries are up 24%. Hmm. Here's what's nuts. When we fall back and we get the extra hour of sleep that one night for three days, heart attacks drop by an average of 21%. He even shows it around traffic. If you're a man like me, who you sleep four or five hours a night, your testosterone is usually that level of a man 10 years older than you are. If you're a woman and you're saying, why am I not as intimate, much desire? Why am I so frazzled? For women, their organism works very differently. So if they need eight hours and they only get seven, for every hour they don't get, they have a reduction in desire about 16%. So mm -hmm. two hours and there's no way she wants to be intimate, even though she loves you. So I tell men, get your woman the sleep they deserve and get the sleep you want. And the, all you got to do are some simple things. One, you need to have a consistent time to fall asleep and wake up because the, the body works on rhythms and patterns. Mm -hmm. And if you're constantly disrupting it, which I did, it makes it tough on the body, to say the least, and it ages you. Two, 
you need to keep the temperature in the room between 65 and 67 degrees because that cold or you can get one of those chill pads it'll make you go deeper in sleep you get deeper deep sleep and REM sleep three you really want to get an eye mask or dark curtains because even a small amount of light affects you and what you don't want to do is look at blue light most people know that but most people do like we people look at their phones or their ipads or their tvs and then it's hard to sleep because of the blue light now you can just pop on these little you know kind of rose colored glasses do the same thing but when you're ready to sleep your brain will go there quicker so those are a couple things people can do right away but sleep is critical it affects everything your hormones it affects your attitude you know it'll affect your mood it'll affect just yep. about everything you can imagine what about what about uh coffee are you drinking coffee because i know i've that never drank coffee fortunately but wow. you know, no, you, good for you. you want to find some alternatives to coffee if you possibly can or at least do something that's decaf um you know coffee coffee is the habit you know maybe try some tea if you want to do it or something of that nature but coffee is pretty rough but i know most people do it so then how do you alkalize your body to balance out the acid of the coffee and as you know the most best way you can do that is with your diet of course rip yeah but there are also other tools that you can use to get your body to be more balanced out but i think it's really important for people to understand that yeah you uh i'd love to come back to the section you wrote uh on the power of simple lifestyle changes yes. uh, to basically um, add 12 years to your life, just yeah. you know, eating healthier, exercise and intermittent fasting. And yeah, intermittent and fasting I, is fantastic. Yep. And most people, you know, it sounds fasting seems really difficult, um, but intermittent fasting, Dr. Longo's work is extraordinary. And, you know, it's like if you can not eat for three hours before you go to sleep. And then if you do sleep eight hours, you eat in the morning, it's 12 hours later. That's enough for most people. That's not that hard to do, but it lets the digestive system relax. And that's when your body's able to heal. You know, most people don't realize, but if they've ever gone on a full blown fast, which of course I do once or twice a year, it's, you know, day one might be tough. Day two is easier. By day three, you have no desire for food. You realize how much it is psychological. And I always ask people, does your energy increase or decrease? It increases massively because mm -hmm. digestion uses energy and the body needs a chance to rest and balance itself out. We weren't made to have all this food. Uh, this is a recent experience in terms of humanity and our own evolution. Yeah. But I want to mention one thing, though. Yeah. You know, little changes, as you mentioned, Rip, are some of the things we try to show people because big changes seem overwhelming for people. So there was a study done in The Lancet. People, you know, for example, you know, we have epidemic levels right now of people with blood sugar issues, prediabetes, diabetes, as you know, it's it's absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. And most people think they talk to their doctor and the doctors, you know, doctors mean the best they can, but the half-life of a medical education, according to, to uh, Harvard in 2017 study was 16 to 24 months. And they said by 2022, it'd be 73 days. That means let's take the old version. Even that means if you're an incredible doctor and gave your soul to learn within a year and a half, half of what you learn is worthless. So where do they learn? the pharmaceutical salesperson that's mm -hmm. how the opioid crisis happened can you imagine being a doctor they're the most devoted people they often give up their own health for their own taking care of their patients and you want to help somebody and so they tell you this is not addictive it's the best thing we can do and you give it to all your patients and then they get addicted and die mm -hmm. i mean doctors are put in the worst position today so most of them are unaware of these things but what most of them are unaware of is that diabetes they might tell you you got to live with it and we got to do our best to manage it so you don't go blind or you don't lose, you know, a toe or something of that nature. But the most recent studies in the UK show you can absolutely cure diabetes. 
what you have to lose on average is about 24 pounds. It's the fat that gets into your liver yep. that causes the dysregulation of blood sugar in your body, of insulin. And so they've shown again and again what can be done. But also, like, if you just need to lose weight, if you stop taking in 300 less calories a day, that's like a bagel a day. That's like one Starbucks. Over two years, Lancet showed the average person lost 16 pounds, their blood pressure was transformed, and their blood sugar was transformed. Mm -hmm. 300 calories, one bagel. And when you start saying this, you go, shit, I could do that. And that's part of what the book's about. Here's the highest tech thing that can solve it all for you. And here's the simplest thing that you do right now. Mm -hmm. Well, one of your scientific advisors that I'm friends with is Dr. Dean Ornish. Yeah, he's a genius. And, and what I love is that what Dean does is he makes it drop dead simple. It's like, listen, you know what? Let's focus on the foundation of eating a whole food plant-based diet. And this is one of the most powerful ways to basically, I'm going to call it, you refer to a jackpot gene in the book. I'm going to call yes. this the jack the jackpot diet, the jackpot diet because yeah. this your dinner will outperform your DNA, and this will really help determine. And you talk about the top six: the yeah. heart disease, cancer, the diabetes, yeah. uh, uh, the uh, inflammation, and autoimmune diseases. But and he basically says, "I am done." with the diet wars. The science is so heavy on this that, you know, you decide if you want to do this or not, but this is the most simple thing that you can do. And then you talk about Walter Longo, right? And the, yes. his longevity diet, and it almost mirrors what, what Dean is talking about. A hundred percent. That's why I have both of them in the book like that. And Dean's yeah. a dear friend. Dean's also right now in the middle, and he can't reveal the results yet. So yeah. I'm not going to tell you what he told me in detail, but I can give you the inference, which is he's doing an Alzheimer's study right now with nothing but dietary change, pretty much rip what you teach, what I teach, yep. primarily plant-based, right? Really simple, some stress reduction. All I can tell you without giving away the details, because that's not appropriate, yep. I, I gave him a bunch of money myself. You know, I donated all the money from this book, but I, I additionally donated a big chunk of money to him because I watched video after video of people that couldn't remember the name, couldn't remember who they are. And four months later, five months later, they're totally cognizant where they are. And all they did was make these lifestyle changes. So he's in the middle of that study right now. I cannot wait for it to come out because it's not drug based and it's incredibly effective. And speaking of Alzheimer's, you have a whole chapter. It's chapter 17 on, on basically tackling the big six through new breakthroughs. And with That's Alzheimer's, right. which you said was kind of personal to you because your biological father suffered from it. That's right. Uh, and there's some big breakthroughs there. And I think one of them you talked about is fungi, right? What yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah, totally wild. <laughs> totally wild. Uh, yeah. Those <laughs> mushrooms, uh, Dan, well, I forget his name, Stemmons, I think it is. You know, you, yeah. many people have seen him. There's a, actually an Apple documentary he did on fungi. I mean, it's just amazing what these mushrooms can do to your body. And there's some of these mushrooms, one of them tastes like lobster, and it's shown to create neurogenesis in the brain. Just extraordinary. But also, there's a group uh, out of the, one of the greatest breakthroughs that I see happening. There's so many breakthroughs in Alzheimer's. Right now, there's a drug that just got approved that was very controversial because a lot of the advisory committee did not want it approved. They did it anyway, I think because they just wanted something. And one of its side effects can be brain bleeding. It's mm. not selling well right now, thank God. But... You know, if you go the traditional approach, it doesn't seem like there's victories. But right now, we're at the base of a bunch of solutions that are coming together. One of them was funded by Google, by a group of them. And they have this, this experimental drug. And this is what's so fascinating. Most people think, okay, 
once you hit full-blown Alzheimer's, you know, like my father, he didn't know who I was. He didn't know who anybody was, right? It's over. You lost all your memories. But at least in animals, they've proven that the neuroinflammation is keeping the communication from happening, but the memories are still there. And with this experimental drug, they're taking down the neuroinflammation and they're showing that these animals have the memory, like going through a maze that they knew how to do two years before and they can't do now, they can't remember. They go straight through it right away after this. So to me, that's one of the most exciting things. The idea that even if somebody had full-blown Alzheimer's, that there's the potential that those memories could be recovered. That's a very exciting new breakthrough. Yeah. You know, uh, while we're winding down here, I want to just turn to the mind because yes. that's that's something that you are... <laughs> You're, that's that's quintessential Tony Robbins. And, um, you know, there's uh, a quote, um, however, however vast the darkness, we must supply our own light, Stanley Kubrick, and yeah. to suffer or not to suffer. Um, you know, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, about that and the power of decision and the gift of living um, sure. in a beautiful, beautiful state? Listen, yeah. if you get this book, it's a big book and you can go through it. It's broken up in ways you can easily go through it. But I hope everybody reads the last two chapters. I tell that even the first two chapters, because if you do all these great things for your body, but you don't manage your mind and your emotions, you're going to have a terrible life, right? You can have body that's perfect, but the mind can make you suffer over, you know, little things, much less big things. And so one of the things I try to show first is just the power of the mind. Most people don't realize it's physiological power to heal you or to make you sick. So we all know about placebos. Most people don't know that they were only recently discovered during World War II. And they were discovered as there was a doc there treating people who were in, you know, in combat and they needed morphine because otherwise they'll go into shock, not only the pain, but they go into shock and they die. And the person actually discovered, it, as I understand, it was the nurse. She didn't tell the doctor first. She just gave him saline and injectors and said, oh, we found some more morphine. And she was just trying to be compassionate. I don't know why she did it, but all I know is he believed her. Yeah. So he had so much certainty. When he talked to the patient, he said, listen, you're going to be out of pain in literally a minute or two. You're going to make it. He injected them. And every single person survived. They didn't go to shock. Most of them got out of pain and they had no drug. Then he discovered that it was healing. So he went back to after World War II, he went back to Harvard. And he's the person that started what basically now is the standard. We compare a drug to mm -hmm. an inert substance, right, to see does the drug really work? against the placebo. But what most people don't know is many placebos do better than the drugs, but you don't make billions of dollars selling placebos. Mm. So, you know, and it's also the bigger the intervention, the more you bring belief. So a small pill versus a bigger pill, the bigger pill will give a greater result. An mm. injection provides a bigger change in your body, a placebo injection than a pill. A surgery, a fake surgery, the VA, Veteran Administration did a study arthroscopic surgery. They took a third of the people and did a fake surgery. They put them under, they put an X here, cut just the skin and sewed it up and did nothing to the knee. One year later, the people <laughs> had no treatment, but thought they had a treatment, had little or no pain, were walking perfectly compared to those that had the surgery itself. So they no longer fund it. Mm -hmm. And it's even more than that. Your mind can overcome the power of a drug. So Harvard did a study where they gave people barbiturates but they made it a big red pill and said, this is an amphetamine. So barbiturates make your body go through the floor. They said, it's an amphetamine. You're gonna speed up and to a man or a woman, their body sped up. They didn't give them a placebo. They gave them an actual drug and their belief overcame it and changed it. 
Yeah. And then, you know, there are people that have done studies over and over again about how we age based on our belief system. But here's the last one. We can make ourselves sick based on our beliefs, based upon our perceptions. So, for example, kind of the father of psychoneuroimmunology, the study of how your mind affects your immune system, is a man named Norman Cousins. He was a UCLA professor who was diagnosed with this disease, and they thought he would die, and it created enormous pain in his body. And he decided he was going to cure his pain and cure his disease by laughing. And people thought he was nuts. Uh He's a very brilliant man. He wrote a book called An Anatomy of an Illness, which became kind of a bestseller and kind of launched psychoneurology to a different level. And he literally would watch all these old comedies, laugh his ass off, the pain would disappear, but then his immune system kicked in. Uh And as a result, he lived and wrote these books and became very famous. So I met him when I was 24. He was interested in my firewalk because he was blown away by how the mind could affect the body. And so we became friends and I interviewed him for those days during podcasts. I had this little program on cassettes called yeah. Power Talk. And in the interview, he shared with me stories. He said, Tony, we not only can make ourselves sick, we can take our fears and our beliefs and make other people sick virally. Mm. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, if you're around somebody and they yawn and then you all oh, don't do that and you're yawning or somebody laughs hysterically and it's not that funny, but they're laughing so hard, you find yourself laughing. He goes, that's what I mean by viral. He said, I'll give you an example. I was at a university football game, and he said a person got viciously sick in the stands, projectile vomiting, everybody's trying to get out of the way. They call for a doctor. The doctor comes. He tries to figure out what the cause is. As he's trying to interview this man, he finds nothing different except an hour earlier, 45 minutes earlier, he went to the vending machine and had a Coke. And he started to say, well, maybe that seemed the only thing different. Maybe there's something poisonous in the Coke. Maybe there's some chemical that's leaked into it. So that in order to make sure no one else got sick, they make over the loudspeaker at halftime to everybody there, please do not use the vending machines. There is a challenge that might make you sick, right? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people saw this guy get sick to start with. And he said, Tony, you would not believe it. It was like a movie. He said, <laughs> within five minutes of this, there are people projectile vomiting all over the place. There were 12 ambulances were called to take people to different hospitals. About an hour and a half later, they confirmed there was nothing wrong with the vending machine. And so they announced it, sent it to the hospital. And within an hour, everybody was well. He said, <laughs> literally, and here it's even worse, COVID. Most people are scared to death of dying of COVID. Well, of course, if you're in your 80s, or late 70s, your immune system, you know, unless you've really taken care of yourself, is less effective. And so that is the biggest risk factor. But outside that, the number one risk factor most people know today, 79.8% of the people that died of COVID are obese, right? 80%, something we could do something about. But you know what number two is? According to the CDC, I put it in my book because no one would believe it if I just said it. Number two thing that will cause you to die, according to CDC, is anxiety and fear. Mm. Because your fear will shut down your immune system. Your fear will change your heartbeat. Your fear will change your breathing rate. Or your fear will change your oxygenization. So the CDC is saying this, and yet what do we have on the news every night? You know, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die, we're all going to die. And, you know, the news people are good people. They're not trying to hurt anybody. They're just trying to do their job, which is keep your attention. And if it bleeds, it leads. So we have to take control of our minds. And so I give people a series of tools of, how to take control of the thinking process and your emotions so you have an extraordinary quality of life, not just a good body. Yeah. I love what you say. It's something, and it kind of reminds me of something from Willy Wonka. You say, we are the meaning makers. We can yes. decide what to focus on and what things mean and what we're going to do as a result. 
Love that. Those, those three decisions, not finished up with this because I'm going on live yep. television in a few moments, my friend. <laughs> yes, but, yes. but let me just tell you this. Those three decisions we make every moment. We don't make them consciously, most of us. Most of what we do is habitual, right? It's habit. Yep. But if you wake up, every moment you're deciding what to focus on, right? Most people focus on the same things. Like what's wrong is always available. So is what's right. What you focus on, you feel. If you're thinking, oh my God, what this happens to my kid, you're going to feel sick to your stomach and then you find out your kid's fine and you're okay, right? Yep. So people listening might ask themselves, do I tend to focus more on what I have or what's missing? Yep. Most people focus on what's missing. Even people that are successful because they're trying to do the next thing. And well, think about this. If you're always focused on what's missing, yep. no matter how smart you are, how can you sustain happiness? You cannot. If people focus more on what they can control or can't control. Well, in a COVID world, there's so much you can't control. Most people focus on that. Well, when you're constantly focused on what's missing, what you can't control, and maybe focusing on what you lost in the past or some horrible future, you're going to be overwhelmed, stressed, or depressed. Yep. So in the book, I show people how to shift that. And I also even show you a study where people that are suicidal thoughts and people that are depressed, Stanford did this study. Most drugs produce a result of around 40% according to meta studies, meaning they go on an antidepressant, 40% of the people are helped. On average, 50%, they're half as depressed. Yep. A study was done by Johns Hopkins a year and a half ago, the biggest breakthrough in depression. They used psilocybin mushrooms, hallucinogenic mushrooms, they're illegal, along with cognitive therapy for a month, 30 days later, 53% of the people were not depressed. It is four times more powerful than any result they've ever seen. That's Stanford came to me and said, we know people have been through your programs. They were clinically depressed or not, but it's anecdotal. We'd like to do a study. And so they took a focus group or a comparative group and they asked the Stanford professors, what do you think makes this work with this Tony Robbins guy? They go, it must be positive thinking. So I said, what should we do with this group? They said, well, do positive journaling. Positive psychology teaches that. Well, 30 days later, they're still depressed. They had a little improvement for a few days, some of them a week, and then they go back. But the ones that went to the seminar, they could not believe the result. They double-blinded the results, and they sent them to two different organizations just to be certain, and now they've just published it. 100% of the people that went through my six-day program, 100% 30 days later had no depression. 19% of those people had suicidal ideation beforehand. None of them had it afterwards. They even did a follow-up 11 months later to show the results. So I have that all in the book as well. You yeah. can change anything if you start with your mind and emotions. That's amazing. I, I'm, one more question and then two a second answer. Tony, what do you think happens to us when we die? Any Gosh, ideas? I wish I knew. I wish I knew for sure. So I'm more focused on, I believe nothing in the universe ever ends. It just changes form, right? It. We know that. Atoms, everything. Yeah. But my core belief is whatever it is, I better do a good job while I'm here on earth so I can enjoy whatever that next stage is. Hey, thank you. You are a life force. Way to be. Congrats. Thank you, Rip. Thanks for all the great work you're doing out there, brother. There's a reason why Tony Robbins is the nation's number one life and business strategist. He finds those experts and physicians who are at the top of their game, like our friend, Dr. Dean Ornish, among many others, and he learns from all their successes. Life Force is available now wherever books are sold. I want to thank Tony Robbins uh, for for coming on board the Plan Strong podcast. Thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, it's not your DNA that drives your destiny. It's your dinner. See you next week. The Plan Strong podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Kordowich, 
Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Anne Cryle Esselstyn. Thanks for listening.